I want to basically take you to just one verse of Scripture this morning and then to, to uh, we are going on a tour uh, of Scripture after that, but I want to start with Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. With the Easter season coming up and, and um, being very much a part uh, of our year right now, I thought it would be good for us to take a few weeks and to again focus on some of the basics, some of the some of the realities, like why did Easter happen? Why do we need to remember that every year? And uh, I think we, we would start forgetting things if we didn't and start taking things for granted. So I want to just take that one verse out of the story where Jesus goes to visit Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. And Jesus said to Zacchaeus, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And I want to put that back into Ephesians chapter 2, the passage that we read earlier, which says that we at one time before we became Christians, we were without hope in this world, without hope and without God. So let's talk a little bit about being lost. How many of you have ever been lost? Oh, there's a few of you. You probably remember the feeling. I've been lost a few times in my life, and I remember those times. I was lost on the beach when I was a little kid. I was lost in the bush when I was trailing a moose. And I was lost in the air when my buddy was taking his turn flying the plane. And I'm sure that if we were to go around the room this morning, and all of you who just raised your hands, and probably some of you who didn't raise your hands, that there would be really cool stories about being lost. It's not a good feeling. But there's lost, and then there's lost. And the reality, one of the realities that I want to deal with this morning is this one, and that, that is that people are totally and utterly lost through just many of us don't know it. We're lost. And there's lost, and there's lost. Here's what I mean. When I was a little guy and I was on the beach and I got lost, well, I was lost, but I wasn't. You know what I mean? You know, like I didn't know where my mom and dad were, but some nice person found me, and I was probably crying, but by the time mom and dad got to where I was, I was happily munching on an ice cream cone. I mean, there's lost, and there's lost, right? Okay? And the time that I was, got lost in the bush trailing a moose, I, had, I had, you know, saw this moose going across the road, never thought about it, stopped my vehicle, grabbed my gun into the bush, after the moose, and all of a sudden I'm trailing this thing for about 20 minutes, and all of a sudden I realize I have the foggiest idea where I am. But there's lost, and there's lost. I knew that there was a road that, that went straight across south of where I was, and I knew that south of that road was a huge lake that was about 60 or 70 miles long, and so if I headed south, I would eventually get out, and so I was lost, but I wasn't lost. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, there's lost and there's lost. One time I was on a flying trip with one of my buddies, and, and, and it was his turn to fly, and I had been dozing in the back of the airplane, and, and, and all of a sudden I woke up, and I said, where are we? And he said, I don't know. That's scary. 
I said, what do you mean you don't know? And, and it turns out he'd been daydreaming. But there's lost, and there's lost, because we had maps. It didn't take us long to figure out where we were. There were lots of terrain features around where you could say, okay, that lake's look like I know exactly where we are. We had navigational instruments. There's lost, and there's lost, and we weren't really lost. One time we lost our youngest daughter, Stephanie, at the air show. Again, there's lost and there's lost. One minute I'm looking at the airplanes. One minute I'm looking at Stephanie. One minute I'm looking at the airplane. Next minute I look down, no Stephanie. Hundreds of people there. Where's, where's our daughter? I haven't a clue. And so Kathy and I and our family, we just panicked. Like, where's this little girl? She was like three or four years old. Not a clue where she was. But there's lost and there's lost and it didn't take us long to find her and she just found another family and sat down with them and was watching the air show. There's lost and then there's lost. You may have heard the stories about Davy Crockett, frontiersman. And um, by the way, Davy Crockett, Catherine Healy's maiden name is Crockett. And uh, she is related to Davy Crockett. So, I mean, she's a famous person. And, ooh, you know, like. But Davy Crockett says, um, he said, he was sent to engage in a wolf hunt where a great number of men were to meet with their dogs and guns and where the best sort of sport was expected. I went as large as life, but I had to hunt in strange woods and in a part of the country which was very thinly inhabited. While I was out, it clouded up and I began to get scared. And in a little while I was so much so that I didn't know which way home was nor anything about it. I set out the way I thought it was, but it turned out with me as it always does with the lost man. I was wrong and took exactly the contrary direction from the right one. And for the information of young hunters, I will just say in this place that whenever a fellow gets bad lost, the way home is just the way he don't think it is. And then he said, at last I came to a path that I knowed must go somewhere, and so we followed it till we came to a house. Well, there's lost, and there's lost. One time we thought we lost Dave LaRose on a canoe trip on the Churchill River. And, and you know, I, we had been told, where's Brian? Oh, there you are. Um, we had been told that if you ever, you know, in places in the Churchill River, there are these whirlpools, and, and they said if you ever get sucked into a whirlpool, just relax, it will eventually spit you out. Like you'll get sucked under a time or two, but it will eventually spit you out. Now that's great theory, and I've never practiced it. But Dave wiped out in a canoe and, and went into this whirlpool, and we're standing there watching him, and sure enough, he disappeared. We thought we'd lost him, and then he popped up again, which was great. Good thing he was wearing a PFD, and then he disappeared again. You did a lot of thinking when you were underwater there, didn't you? <laughs> but he popped out again and washed out of there and the theory works so think of this if you ever get caught in a whirlpool and you get lost in a whirlpool you're not lost just be patient just breathe every time you come up and you'll be isn't that how it works Melanie? sure <clears throat> there's lost and then there's really lost Amanda's dad wrote a book uh, what's the title? Not Just Any Green Englishman is, is the title of it. It's a wonderful book if you get an opportunity to read it. It's, her dad wrote the story. It's the story of her great-grandfather and his brothers coming to the prairies. But 
One time, you know, the, you can get lost on the prairies not very far away from home. This, this guy wrote about, um, he got lost like on the prairies and his brother was supposed to put the lantern in the window. You know, this is in a snowstorm in a blizzard. You know, his brother was, the, he had a deal that they would always put the lantern in the window if one of them was out. And, and uh, the brother decided, well, he needed the light to read. So he turned the lantern around. Guy just about died. There's lost, and then there's really lost, and you can get lost in Saskatchewan between the barn and the house in a snowstorm. There is that Malaysian Airlines Flight 370, more than two weeks. We haven't a clue. Where does something that big with that many people disappear to? We haven't a clue. There's lost, and then there's really lost. And then there's a story of the U.S. Navy submarine S-4 was its name. And in 1927, the crew of this Navy submarine was trolling beneath the waters of Cape Cod Bay, and they were engaged in routine testing of their vessel, and as they surfaced, the Coast Guard cutter, who didn't know where they were, rammed them. And that submarine with its crew of 40 sank in less than five minutes and it came to rest more than 100 feet below the surface of the water on the ocean floor. And in 1927, rescue wasn't very well organized. And it took 24 hours for the first diver to descend to the wreckage. And as soon as the diver's feet hit the hull, he immediately heard tapping and there means that were survivors who were trapped inside. And so pounding out Morse code on the hull with the hammer, the diver discovered that six crewmen had survived that collision. And efforts were renewed to reach these men before it was too late, but again the weather would not cooperate and every attempt at salvation failed. And with their air supply dwindling, the six survivors tapped out in Morse code a final haunting question to the diver. And the question was, is there any hope? There's lost. And then there's lost and took the Navy three months to raise that submarine. You see, there's a difference between being lost and being really lost. You know what I mean? There's a difference between being in a jam or being so lost that if you don't get saved, you're going to die. When I had this operation on my heart, because of, of various things, whether it was the, the drugs that I was given or whatever, but I was bleeding internally and my heart was suffocating. Uh, and I was in really rough shape. I didn't know. It's a good thing I didn't know how, how rough a shape I was in. But they finally figured out what was wrong with me, and, and it was an emergency situation, and they rushed me downstairs with a crew of people. They just piled everything onto my bed and down the hall, down the elevator, into the coronary care unit in the basement of University Hospital. And this lady leans over my bed. She says, hi, my name is Nancy. I'm going to look after you, and you're going to be okay. 
Nancy, I love you. <laughs> oh, she was a nice lady. She took excellent care of me. See, but that was a jam that I was in that I couldn't save myself. I needed someone. I needed a team of people to intervene to save me. Because without that, that action, I would have been lost. And so there's lost, and then there's really lost. And Jesus said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And I don't think he just came to save people who were in a jam. Let's take a look a little bit at what Scripture says about getting lost. Ephesians chapter 2, the passage we read earlier, I'm just going to pull some words out of there. It says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. Is there any hope? No. Before you knew Jesus, you and I were lost. There is no hope. We were without hope and without God in the world. John chapter 3, verse 16, 18, and 36. Whoever believes in him shall not perish. We love those words, but there is that word in there, perish. What does it mean? Verse 18, whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him, and that's called damnation. It's what the Bible means by being lost. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death. Lost. Where did it start? It started in the garden with Adam and Eve. And the reality is that we are sinners by nature, by our very nature, and by deed, that wonderful little baby that Jason and Lindsay just had is a sinner. Psalm 51 verse 5 says, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Not that there is sin in conception, but it's just the reality. That's when our sin nature takes hold. And the result of this is something, it's a word that we don't hear very often anymore, but let me put a $5 word before you, and that $5 word is, is perdition. Perdition means the same as damnation. It means a state of eternal punishment and damnation into which a sinful and unpenitent person passes after death. Is there any hope? Not in ourselves. Are we lost? There's a difference between being in a jam and being lost. There's lost, and then there's really lost. If you're in a jam, you can get out by yourself. Or you can get out with a little bit of help. The other is a state where unless there is a Savior, you are going to die. Unless someone saves you, your end result is going to be perdition. Your end state is going to be damnation. And because of that, because there is no hope apart from Jesus, people need to get saved. 
And it doesn't matter who you are as a human being, you cannot save yourself. You can't get out of that jam by yourself. You can't get out of the jam with your smarts. You can't get out of it with your savvy. You can't get out of it with your wisdom. You can't get out of it with your skill or your strength. You cannot save yourself. When I was lost in the bush, I knew that I would eventually get find my way out. I might have to spend a night, but I wasn't worried about losing my life. Other people can't save you. Your buddies can't save you. Your relatives can't save you. Your parents can't save you. Your grandparents can't save you. Your children can't save you. The paramedics and the police and the firemen and the lawyers, they can't talk you out of this. You're lost. You can't buy or earn your way out of this with money. You can't work your way out of it by taking a course or changing your life or becoming a philanthropist or an activist. You can't get out of it because you come from a good family, because you have status. You can't get out of this state because you do hard work, you do good works, and you sweat blood and tears and everything else. It's not a state out of which the doctors or medical people or technology or surgery can get you. You're lost. You're totally, completely, 100% hooped and lost. You can't change your diet or your lifestyle. You're lost. It's not religion. Religion is not going to get you out of this. Doing something that's going to make God happy. And it's not being sorry or being penitent. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. When you're lost, you're lost. There's a difference between being lost and being really lost. When you're in a jam, you can get out of it. You can get somebody to help you get out of it. But when you're really lost, there's only one way out, and that way is Jesus Christ. When you're really, totally lost, there is only one way out. Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. 1 Timothy 2.5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Hebrews 7.25, therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. And so that means people have a choice to make. Second Peter 3.9 says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise and as some understand slowness, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God doesn't damn people to hell. That's a choice that people make. And yet, if we fail to make the choice, if you're lost you're drowning and someone offers to save you would you say no thanks I'll swim for it if you're totally and completely lost would I have said to Nancy who said you're going to be okay never mind I'll work this out myself I don't think so 
So you might be thinking this morning, so what? I'm saved. Here's what you and I need to realize. I think many of us have made that decision somewhere along the line about repentance, that we were wrong, somewhere along the line of faith that we need a Savior to save us. But I'm not sure how many of us really understood that we were completely, totally lost. Jesus doesn't just get us out of a jam. Without Jesus, you and I are totally hooped. And that word perdition comes into play. And it really doesn't matter who you are, how good you are, how good you've been, how long you've been going to church, what kind of family you were born in, how faithful you are in giving and all the rest of these things. Without Jesus, you and I are totally, completely, 100% lost. And what scares me is that there are some people who are lost and don't know it. Listen to this. The trouble with the blind spot is, is that you don't know that you have a blind spot because you have a blind spot. That makes sense? The trouble with the blind spot is that you don't know you have a blind spot because you have a blind spot. And what really, really scares me as a pastor is that passage in Matthew 7 where Jesus is talking about the end of times and he said, many people are going to come and stand before you and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these wonderful things in your name? Did we not heal people? Did we not cast out demons? Did we not do all those wonderful things in your name? And Jesus will say the words, go away from me, I never knew you. Do you realize that some of us could be sitting here this morning thinking that we are saved and in reality we are doomed to perdition? Now, I don't want to scare you, but on the other hand, there needs to be a wake-up call at times as well. Some people are lost and don't know it. Some people are lost and prefer it that way. But 2 Corinthians 13.5 tells us that we are to examine ourselves to see whether or not you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? When it comes to Good Friday, when it comes to Easter, without Easter, without Good Friday, and then ultimately without Easter, because Easter is what validates Good Friday. Without Easter and Good Friday, you and I are totally, completely, 100% lost without God and without hope in this world. With Jesus... It is totally the opposite. We have all kinds of hope. We have the promise of eternal life. We have the presence of the Holy Spirit. And my goal this morning is to, number one, scare some of you, and then secondly, to 
to help us understand of the tremendous price that Jesus Christ paid for us. He didn't just get us out of a jam. He doesn't just add a little bit to our goodness in order to bring us over the hump. But without Jesus, you and I are totally, completely lost without hope and without God in the world. But with Jesus, we have absolutely everything. And so my question to you this morning is just how lost are you? If you say, well, I'm only lost a little bit. I think I'll make it on my own. You're not going to make it on your own. There's lost, and then there's lost. And without Jesus, you and I are totally, completely, 100% lost. With Jesus, we have absolutely everything, and we need not fear. He is our Savior, and he extends his hand to us. The Son of Man came to seek Not only to seek, but to save that which was lost. And he expects us to reach out to him and say, Lord, as Peter did, save me. I need you. I am lost. Hopefully, hopelessly doomed to perdition without you. But with you, I have absolutely everything. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you said you came to seek and to save that which was lost. Being lost is to be totally helpless. To be without hope, to tap out those words, is there any hope? There is. But it's only in Jesus that we find that hope. Thank you for coming to seek and to save that which was lost. Thank you for accomplishing that through the work on the cross and for validating that with the resurrection. And Father, help us to understand that it's not just a little bit that you save us, but that Jesus saves us completely to the uttermost those who believe in him. Thank you for our salvation. Lord, everything we have is based on you. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to your mercy, you saved us. And so thank you for that, Lord. And just impress that upon our hearts. And Lord, help us to take a look around us at the people who are lost. And give us a burden to share the good news with them. Thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. Lord, bless the ladies as they come home this afternoon. And we just pray that you would guide and guard our hearts as we leave this building and be the people that you want us to be in this community. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for coming. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.